What's up, guys? Max, you're back with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show. Let me say what's up to everybody in the chat. Ika, Eviana, Esti, Larry, John, H-N-A-U, Chris. What's up, everybody? How are you, Alex? Welcome, everybody, to the show. It's going to be a great show today. I've got some crazy stuff to talk to you guys about. One big story in particular that I've been waiting, it's kind of getting out of control, so we're going to talk a lot about that. Let's see. Larry says uh, his son's leave is over and he had to go home. I was thinking about military parents. Uh, I was thinking about the parents of all the kids in Afghanistan right now, the young Marines, soldiers, airmen, sailors who are out there uh, serving in Afghanistan right now as we come up in about 48 hours. Everybody's supposed to be out of there. We'll see if that's if there's any reality to that at all whatsoever. And I was just thinking how hard it must be to be a parent of a young Marine or service member over there right now, especially after what happened last week, especially on the news that the United States just took out a car full of suicide bombers with a drone strike. I don't know if you guys have been following that news, but it says, oh, Harry Lime Pie with the $2 super chat one minute into the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, that all that support goes a long way to making the Scuttlebutt Show the best show in the, in the world on YouTube here about the military. Thank you so much, Harry Lime Pie. Really appreciate that. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's obvious that there's a clear and present threat to Americans over there in Afghanistan right now. So to anybody who does know somebody out there or has a family member or loved one out there or just cares about the military in general, um, it's not easy, especially for the parents was what I was saying, especially for the parents out there. It's definitely not easy right now. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that and especially you know, as they identified everyone killed in Afghanistan last week, most of them extremely young. We're going to talk about a couple of them on today's show. Most of them extremely young and, uh, and some of them on their first time ever overseas with the Mew. The Mew is deployed over there. It's a, basically the name of a Marine Corps unit that deploys for a an, potentially an unknown mission and the Mew gets tasks, tasks given to them while they're already deployed. So the Mew is currently over there uh, for the Marine Corps serving in Kabul and we'll see if uh, if they're out of there in 48 hours. It's um, it's a crazy time right now. So if you guys have anybody out there has any questions for me about the military, about the Navy, about Afghanistan, let me know in the comments and I'll address those questions. Alex says, good day, Max. Hope you're having a cracking weekend. Hope you're feeling better. I'm feeling okay. I'm getting over being sick. You guys might still be able to hear it in my voice. I'm just getting over it right now. Feeling a little bit better today, but uh, still just uh, getting over it day by day. John says, my block leave starts next week. 12 plus hour drive from Texas to Tennessee. Have fun. Where in Tennessee? Nashville, Tennessee is one of my favorite cities in the world. I've been through it myself, but as tough on the wife because it's our only child. Yeah, Larry, that is tough. I feel for you. I, I can only imagine because I don't have any kids, but I can only imagine how tough it must be to have a young son or daughter out there for all our parents who's in the military and doing their thing overseas, especially especially at a time like right now. So shout out to all the military parents and loved ones, spouses, dependents, kids. We don't talk about kids, military kids enough, but all the kids out there, everybody who's doing their, doing their thing to support the mission of the United States. Speaking of military parents, today's show is going to be a lot about Afghanistan but I do have a couple other stories, and uh, one of them is, is, is a crazy story that popped up on my blotter this morning. Uh, Clarksville, I'll be able to avoid Nashville on the drive up there. Avoid? Why would you ever want to avoid Nashville? Speaking of military parents, I've got a story here today for you guys uh, that is heartbreaking, heartbreaking about an Army veteran. So we've got mother demands change after U.S. Army veteran dies waiting for an ICU bed, dies in the waiting room. 
This is, uh, I saw this one and I just wanted to give a shout. This is, uh, this does involve the VA, but it just involves kind of America's hospital system right now in general. And this is an absolutely devastating story here. Here's the mother of, a, of the soldier. An army veteran died from a treatable illness after family says he waited seven hours for an ICU bed to become available. Waited seven hours at a hospital for, for care only to die of a preventable disease. Daniel Wilkinson, also known as Danny, had two deployments in Afghanistan and returned home as a Purple Heart recipient. His mother, Michelle, said they moved to Belleville about three years ago in order to enjoy a quiet life together. He just has a big heart, a big personality, and a big soul, Puget said. In 2019, I came down with breast cancer, and he took care of me two years through that. He took care of his mom through breast cancer. He took me to all her chemos, surgery, took care of me, kept track of my doctor's appointments, everything. I mean, he was just that type of son. Puget said last Saturday, Wilkinson became very ill. She took him to an emergency room just three houses down from their home where he was diagnosed with gallstone pancreatitis and doctor said he needed treatment immediately. We know, the doctor said, we know what we need to do and how to do it. We just have to get him to a facility to get it done. And they couldn't do that, Puget said. So the, they called hospitals in Texas, Arkansas, Colorado, Kansas, and Oklahoma. But because of COVID, it says... And the Delta variant, the hospitals were overwhelmed and couldn't get him an ICU bed. I find that a little bit hard to believe. Frankly, he was a non-COVID patient, so he was turned down for care. That sounds negligent on the hospital considering he was dying of pancreatitis. After seven hours of waiting, the VA hospital in Houston, so finally they got a hold of a VA hospital who said they could treat him, but he had his condition had worsened enough where he was too unstable to be moved. And he just needed a surgery that could have stopped this completely preventable death. It's something that nobody should have to experience. And I'm just praying that some good will come from it because every minute that he was denied an ICU bed, he was dying every minute counted. Puget said she wants change in Texas hospitals. The state's healthcare system is in need of more nursing staff, tents for overflow patients and additional resources. The doctor said, I'm scared another one is going to come in and the same type of situation is going to happen. Everybody should be able to get help if they need it. That's my wish. My wish is that this story might save somebody else's life. So let's get this story circulating. Let's get that story circulating. How terrible is that? A preventable, treatable illness identified with the solution, but they couldn't get him to surgery into a hospital because they say they were overwhelmed by COVID. It sounds, it's hard to imagine that that's true across five states, across five and six states, they couldn't find a hospital that could perform a surgery. Does that sound right to you guys? That sounds like it's, it sounds negligent to me almost downright negligent. That, uh, that that could be the case. Um, I, I, when I was reading that story, I, I want to share it because, well, it affects, it's a, it's a Purple Heart recipient Army veteran who sounds like his service didn't end at the end of the military because he took care of his mother after that and was left to just die suffering in pain of pancreatitis when he could have gotten help if he just got treated at a hospital. What is going on out there right now? How is that possible? It's, I don't know, it seems, it seems like we're missing something there. I just can't imagine that hospitals were so overwhelmed with COVID patients that, that they couldn't get somebody into an OR. Like one surgeon, one general surgeon wasn't available to go in and perform a procedure in six hospitals. That doesn't sound right. Let's see. My wife works in Nashville. Don't worry, I'll still get my fix. What's up, Andres? Take the last train to Clarksville, the monkeys. Uh, sorry, I was late. Nuggets, Nuggets, what's up? Welcome to the chat. We've got, uh, Justin says, sounds like the definition of pandemic hospitals are full. It doesn't sound right. They are love in Japan except for C-19. <clears throat> yeah, that's how it is for me out here in Japan too. Um, I do love Japan. Harry Lime Pie, 
repping for uh, the military out in Japan. So let's see. Alex says servers for his country, and that's serves for his country, and that's what he gets in return. It's just wrong. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound. Ruthless Empire. What's up? Welcome to the chat. It does not sound right to me um, that that person could not get treated. That just sounds. It sounds odd. It sounds wrong. Um, so we they identified. You know, I'm I'm trying to figure out what I want to do about uh, about the people killed in Afghanistan and how to like uh, address that. You know, maybe with a reading of the names and biographies of them. Um, maybe as more time passes, and maybe at the, maybe when people get out, maybe when they finally get out of Afghanistan, we can we can do something like that and just make sure that we've seen what looks like it is the end of the violence over there uh, for at least the time being. But I do have a couple stories out here. What's up, YT Pooper? Uh, what up, my guy? So there's a couple stories here about two of the service members killed, two different people that I did want to highlight. Maybe we'll do a couple a day or something like that. Um, one of them was a sailor. So we had a sailor, uh, 11 Marines and a soldier killed, I believe are the numbers, um, or 12 Marines, a sailor, and a soldier killed in uh, Afghanistan. I, I keep hearing different numbers. I, st- I still am hearing different numbers um, as far as the soldiers. One or two soldiers were killed. But the whole situation just sounds really, really, really uh, agonizing to hear the tales of what was happening with these guys, the troops on the ground who were killed in the in the hours leading up to that attack. Um, I saw one of a guy, one of the Marines had carried a boy on his shoulders five miles to get him to the gate and then went back out. And when the bombing happened, uh, the females out there who were killed, you've seen in photos, um, uh, you've seen in photos nursing for little children. Uh, and then they were killed in the, in the suicide bomb. So let's just talk about the sailor who was killed here really quick. Family released his new statement about Navy corpsman killed trying to help evacuees in Afghanistan. So what do they have to say about their son here? The family of a Navy corpsman who died in Thursday's suicide bombing and ISIS attack at the Hamid Karzai airport. His name was Max or Maxton Soviak of Berlin Heights, Ohio, 22 years old. Soviak was assigned to 1st Marine, 1st Marine Division out of Camp Pendleton. He enlisted in the Navy in 2017, so he had been in the Navy approaching probably the end of his first tour. His other military assignments included hospital corpsman school in San Antonio, Texas, Naval Medical Readiness and Training Command in Guam and Field Medical Training Battalion Camp Pendleton. Soviak reported to 1st Marine, 1st Mar Div in September 2020. U.S. Marine military officials say 13 troops were killed in the airport attack with at least another 18 wounded, 11 Marines, a soldier in Soviak. The attack also claimed the lives of an estimated 170 civilians, so that number is climbing. His family released an updated statement Saturday. On behalf of the entire Soviak family, we want to thank all those who have extended their support and prayers to the loss of our son, Max. Max was a wonderful son who loved his family, his community, and was proud to serve in the U.S. Navy. He was excited about the opportunities the Navy would offer him and planned to make the Navy a career. We are incredibly proud of his service to our country. Words cannot express how heartbroken we are with this news. We will miss Max tremendously. We are struggling to come to grips with this personal tragedy and prefer to grieve with close family and friends. And then it goes on here to say... Uh, this part's the, is, is tough to hear his, what they say were the last conversation he had with his family. Maxton was an awesome young man who was well-liked in the community as evidenced by the outpouring of condolences from teachers, coaches, employers, family, and friends. He was always proud of being a part of a state champion wrestling team and played 
state and state playoff Final Four football team two years in a row, but he was most proud to be a Navy corpsman and a devil doc for the Marines. His final words to his mother over FaceTime when he was telling her goodbye after she told him to be safe were, don't worry, Mom, my guys got me. They won't let anything happen to me. Today, she realized that they all just went together. He has 12 brothers and sisters that are all hurting terribly. So, you know, the we, we talk about the troops that are on the ground and what they're going through. And I just want to, you know, there's one thought that I've been having that I want to add here, which is um, the, the, um, it, it just reminds me that I remember the feeling of there's no place I would have rather have been than in the worst place that all my buddies were at, you know? So when we were deploying to Afghanistan, there was a debt going to the Philippines and I didn't want to go to the Philippines. I wanted to go to Afghanistan because that was the most dangerous place to go. When we were going to, when it was time to turn around and go back to Iraq, I wanted to go back to Iraq because that was where it was happening. That was like awesome to go to Iraq at the time. Like, yeah, that's where I want to go. Um, when we, I was in Afghanistan for detainee ops, there was an easier place to work and a harder place to work. I wanted to work in the harder place to work. I wanted to go where it was colder. I wanted to go to where it was hotter. Um, you know, you want to go, you want to be as forward as possible because you don't want to miss if something happens over there with your teammates, with your buddies, you want to be there. You don't want to miss it. Um, you would rather be there and something happened to you than miss it and something happened to your friends. And that's just kind of this military spirit that's, you know, that you become connected to that embodies the core values that you, you know, are taught from boot camp onward. And I imagine that if you could talk to these Marines and say, they would be proud of their service and I'm proud of them too. Uh, I'm proud of them for what they did over there showing that the, the expression, no greater friend, no worse enemy is as true as any expression, any phrase you've ever heard. Cause as you can watch these, you know, Marines, devil dogs, care for babies, carry kids on their shoulders, pick them up over barbed wire. And as they stand there toe to toe, face to face with Taliban and ISIS, unfazed, undaunted, unaffected, right there, putting themselves out there in harm's way to protect these civilians. It is the embodiment of no better friend, no worse enemy. In every photo there, you can see a Marine kitted up, weapon, showing compassion, giving water and medicine and aid to people on the ground who need it while being stared down by the enemy. Steps away. Unaffected. Out there, unafraid. Doing their thing. You know, holding up the oath, the promise that they made and the legacy and tradition that they embody with every day that they're out there. So... I'm proud of Max and everyone else over there who, uh, who has been serving boots on ground in Kabul, especially after, you know, everyone out there after this attack. And this is where it what got me thinking about the families as the families of everyone who's over there right now are hearing about, you know, two days after the suicide bombing hearing again, they come out and say, anybody in the area has to leave. There's an imminent, another imminent attack and you've got kids out there. You've got kids out there. There's another imminent attack, and uh, and you have to imagine what your family's going through. But it's important to remember too that 
for, for everyone on the ground out there, for, mo- for most of them, I can't say everybody, but, and I'll just say if it was me, there's no place I would rather be than out there. No place, and I bet most of them feel the same way. No place that they'd rather be. So I don't feel, I don't want to feel pity, you know? I don't want to express pity or that I feel, I feel, I don't feel bad for them in the sense that I pity them or that they are asking for anybody's, you know, any, they're not asking for anybody's tears or sympathy. They're out there doing their job proudly. And the best we can do is support them back home and make sure that we're advocating for the most support that they can get. I mean, just today I was reading, you know, reading a story about a drone strike. We were talking about at the top of the show, drone strike against a car full of uh, ISIS suicide bombers. Now I'm seeing reports. I didn't cover it today because it, there's, it's breaking news, but seeing reports that there might be civcast, civilian casualties associated with that, which is a part of combat, unfortunately. Um, if there was a, if there was a vehicle-borne IED threat to the Americans out there, that vehicle-borne IED could take out hundreds and hundreds of civilians and military. And so the military is in a tough position because if they ID a vehicle-borne IED or a car full of S-vests and they choose to do a you know, controlled drone strike on there with, like let's say, a Hellfire missile, and that Hellfire missile takes out the vehicle, and then the vehicle has a bunch of secondary explosions. This is the report I was reading. And between the Hellfire and those secondaries, there's some civcasts, but you prevented the deaths of 500, 600 civilians, men, women, children, service members. What do you do? I think that you have to make those tough decisions. And I know that the choice would obviously be to take out the vehicle-borne ID. So you... Should We should gather all the information. That's why I didn't cover it, but uh, I'm going to gather all the information on that and try to cover that um, when I do know more. So it's a difficult difficult situation because Kabul is obviously a very densely packed city. So a vehicle, a V-bed in a, in, a, in a crowded city is one of the most dangerous situations you could possibly be in because the odds of that thing go, going off are high and the only thing you could possibly control at all is where it goes off. By stopping it, by shooting, by, by blowing up the vehicle, you know, unleashing crew serve weapons on it to try to uh, render it inoperable to shoot the driver. But it's just one of the most dangerous situations you can possibly be in a vehicle going 50, 60 miles an hour through a crowded urban street packed with a bunch of HME. And that thing goes off and it's de- going to be devastating and it's difficult to stop. So that's the situation that they're up against over there when I'm reading that story this morning. So we'll see what happens. We'll see more about that. Um, Justin says, I think waiting till they're out is a fine choice. Don't want to do another mission accomplished. Yeah. 13 served reserve seats for those who will never come home. Saw the age of those Marines. And it feels like they shared the same age range, 18 to 23. Yep. Most of them were, uh, babies when 9-11 happened. I saw the oldest, the oldest Marine, the oldest person killed two days ago was 11 on 9-11. I would pay a million dollars to go back to Afghanistan with a dragon off. Matt's all right. Hmm. I saw that Lieutenant Colonel video. Can't wait to see what it said. Yeah. Well, there's an update to it. Every time I see their photos, the videos, the address fills me with rage. H and I, yep. Freedom is not free, but the U.S. Marine Corps will pay most of your share. Yep. God bless those that were lost and the families they left behind. Yep. Ed, what's up? Ruthless, have you heard that Turkey is not taking any Afghan refugees? Turkey's a crazy country. There's a lot of dynamics. I haven't heard that, but there's a lot of dynamics in Turkey. 
Think where man's glory must begins and ends and say my glory was I had such a friend. Yeats, you guys might not remember, but I was 10 when Saigon went to shit. This seems worse. Yeah, uh, I know myself and probably most other people watching were not around when the fall of Saigon happened. Um, so, you know, we've got another story here about uh, one of the veterans, one of the Marines killed in Afghanistan. And this is what I was talking about. I love my job. U.S. Marine killed in Kabul airport attack. Spent final days caring for Afghan children. This is Nicole Gee. I hope it's Gee. I think it's Gee, not G. Nicole Gee. Remembering Marine Corps Sergeant Nicole Gee. Let's see if I can get this video to play here really quick. Maybe we can get, get this going. The person who kind of lifts everyone's spirits up. A bright light, motivator, and trusted friend. That is how family is remembering. 23-year-old Nicole G. She's always G. been very motivated and, and passionate in, in everything that she does. We've had a ongoing joke in the family that she's always been the golden child. We spoke to her big sister, Misty, by phone, describing Nicole as her best friend, greatest inspiration, and a hero. These pictures now sacred memories she's holding on to. She's the friend who people go to when they need help. Her family still numb after learning Marine Sergeant Nicole G, a daughter, sister, and wife, was killed in a suicide bombing attack outside the Kabul airport this week. There's still a disbelief and, you know, not, not wanting to, to believe that it's happening. The Roseville native graduated from Oakmont High School. The school principal saying in a statement, Nicole is a hometown hero. Her life and service to her country will never be forgotten. High school is where she met her husband, Jared G, also a Marine. Following in her husband's footsteps, she enlisted a year after him. Some of the last things that she said was, I love being here. This is amazing work. She couldn't wait to, to tell me more about it after deployment. Social media posts just a snapshot of her time in the Marines, including her deployment in Afghanistan. One of her last posts shows her holding an Afghan child in her arms. The caption, I love my job. She had an incredible, fiery passion for what she was doing. She loved, she loved every second of it with all her heart. That heart for people abroad and here at home leaving a lasting impact. There's no bad memories. There's only um, happiness, laughter, and positivity. And um, she was just, she was an, an absolute delight for everyone who knew her. So you guys have probably seen that video uh, or, or those photos of her um, holding the child here. You can see it on your screen right here if you listen on the podcast. It's Nicole G holding the baby just kind of cradling the baby who is, there's another baby here. It's just part of the mission that, you know, women are on the front lines in Kabul. Um, two women were killed on that suicide blast. They're out there doing their thing. We talked about the women who were on call at the airbase in Qatar, Qatar, whatever. Um, I say Qatar. Some people say Qatar. I don't actually know what it technically is. Um, and it just highlights the mission that women have been playing in the military that I've been talking about on this show for forever. It's nothing new. It's not breaking news to me. I hope it's not breaking news to you guys that women are in harm's way downrange. Um, so the more I read this article and Nicole G sounds like she was just an incredible Marine. So it says here, uh, 
G was sworn into Marines less than a year ago and was promoted to sergeant three weeks before the Kabul attack. So think about that. G was sworn into the Marines less than a year ago and was promoted to sergeant three weeks before the attack. That's one of the highest or like the fastest uh, promotions I've ever heard of in my life. She must've been doing a great job. In a now viral Facebook post, one of G's friends, Mallory Harrison, planned penned an emotional tribute to her friend. Her car is parked in our lot. It's so mundane, simple, but it's there. There was an explosion and just like that, she's gone. Her car is still there and she's gone forever, Harrison wrote. So G was married to a Marine, Jared Gee, her sister, uh, Misty Fuko said, Nicole posted several Instagram photos of her and her husband celebrating the holidays and celebrating her, his own promotion to Sergeant just a few months ago. So that's a young couple, uh, young Marine Corps couple who seemed like they were doing everything right when, uh, including serving on the front lines in a combat zone, because that's what Kabul is, it's a combat zone. And, um, and she was killed by ISIS, the worst people on the planet. And it, you know, guys know I say this a lot. Um, I have one hard line opinion pretty much, and it's F ISIS. And, uh, and there's no, there's no, uh, uh, no wiggle room on that. I, if, I think ISIS should be at all times taken out with, uh, with the most, you know, violent capabilities that we have. They're, they're ruthless and they, they need to be totally destroyed, um, around the world. So that's my opinion on that. Um, Let's see. Beaufort says five. I missed the reference to that. AT says 19-year Navy guy up in Atsuki, Japan here. First time catching a live stream. Oh, AT, welcome. Glad you can catch a live stream. Thanks for uh, stopping by. What do you do in the Navy? Uh, can't win a war against people who don't value life. May all those people rest in peace. Sorry, give me a second. Something in my eyes. Better have some stories to bring up this mood. Yeah, Justin, I know. I, I feel you on that. Our men and women in uniform are the best. My mother and father were both Vietnamese refugees, and I've never seen them so sad and frustrated until these past few weeks in Afghanistan. Yeah, just, I want you guys to just remember uh, the phrase, no greater friend, no worse enemy, right? There's a reason that that reputation is there. Um, I've talked about being deployed with the ODA, the Green Berets, and seeing the, some of the most savage men I've ever met in my life, people who are just absolute animals, also show the most compassion and caring and sensitivity and taking care of kids and taking care of wounded and weak. Uh, and that's how, that's how it is. Um, so... The people of Afghanistan are lucky that brave men and women from the military are over there to help them right now, where politicians and bureaucrats have abandoned them on both sides, Afghanistan and the United States, uh, and leave it to Marines, soldiers, sailors, and airmen to go out there and, uh, and actually do the work. My question is that, where do these groups get their weapons from? Great question, Ruthless. Uh, you know, a lot of times it's other neighboring countries. Um, Iran, uh, you know, other neighboring countries who have interests in the continuing fight. There's arms dealers, kind of like Nicolas Cage in Lord of War, who traffic weapons internationally, like weapons mafias. Um, and then people, it's a lot of its smuggling operations. And then, uh, and then people privately fund terror. Uh, there are wealthy, you know, oil tycoons, you know, whoever, whatever you want to call them, whoever these people are who privately fund uh, uh, terror interests because they hate America. So, and a lot of it's just uh, recycled. So, oh, this might be a good time to uh, um, talk about something I wanted to bring up with you guys, which was, you know, all of the talking about all of the weapons and gear that the United States left behind, the vehicles. Um, 
one thing I was thinking about this weekend was like, yeah, there were, you know, there are Taliban flying Black Hawk helicopters right now, but the odds of uh, of those ever being used effectively as weapons against Afghans or the United States are low because, well, you know, I, and I go back and forth on this because the terror groups are pretty resourceful, but they would have to figure out how to maintain helicopters. They would need aviation fuel. They're going to need weapons parts. They're going to need ammunition. They're going to need software updates. They're going to need complicated avionics and electronic systems. They're going to need to figure out how to use these Humvees, maintain them, all that stuff. So, uh, just cause there's a bunch of gear out there doesn't mean it's going to work or work for a long time or anything like that. So it's <laughs> when I see the pictures of like helos and trucks and all and weapons and all stuff, I'm like, that's nah, only a matter of time. And all that stuff breaks down and they won't be able to use it anyway. Let's see. Always Russian weapons, the classic AK 47. Yeah. AK 47 is a classic, great weapon. Just, there's a reason that AK-47 is such a popular weapon because that first click off the safety goes into full auto. They're not even wasting their time with semi. They've been at war with each other for hundreds of years. We should sponsor militias in PAC and Iran. That's their punishment for being stupid. What's up, Eric? What's up, uh, Charles? Also, welcome to the chat. Why are we putting ISIS in jail? Why not bury them? Uh, yeah, um, I did see that they had detained one ISIS fighter. Um, but... Helos have lots of wires for the bomb. Yep, that's true. That's why scrap. That's why we were never supposed to leave scrap electronics around, because they would take parts from scrap electronics and use them to make IEDs. That's absolutely right too. That's true. It. it I'm also shocked that that stuff would have been left behind and not. You know, we would have not blanket bombed the areas that we left all that gear. I can't believe it. That would have been the obvious choice. Would just be to bomb the bases that we abandoned and uh, and all the gear. So I don't know why we didn't do that. To be honest. So we have a, we're going to talk about this next story for a while. We're going to be on this next one. It's the main story. It's the headline story. Marine officer threatens the military. You guys might have seen this, but there's an update to this that came out today that this guy, like, is this how you want a Jason Bourne? Because this is how you get a Jason Bourne. Viral Marine who demanded accountability for Afghanistan failures says, I'm resigning my commission. So this Marine has had enough, has had enough of the red tape, of the bureaucracy, of the politics, of all of it. And he's uh, speaking out in a major way. A Marine officer who filmed a viral video calling out senior military and civilian leaders for failures in Afghanistan resigned his commission effective immediately in a new 10-minute video Sunday, threatening to bring the whole blank system down. So for those of you who don't know who this is, this is Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, who released a video uh, that kind of went viral, and we're going to watch that video really quick. Um, well, it's not going to be really quick. We're going to watch the entire video, and then we're going to go and watch uh, his updated video. So let's check this out. My name is Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller, United States Marine Corps. I'm the current battalion commander for Advanced Infantry Training Battalion. I've been in the Marine Infantry for 17 years. Started my tour with Victor 1-8. It's the current unit that's doing perimeter security, dealing with the mess that's going on there. I, you can see open source reporting that there was an explosion and some people were killed. I know through my inside channels that one of those people that were killed was a, someone that I have a personal relationship with. Won't go. So you can see here he's in uniform, which is uh, just by going and doing this video in uniform, he put himself out there as a uh, as a high-ranking Marine officer speaking out against how the military is handling this issue, which puts his whole entire career at risk, um, which we'll, we're going to talk about because, as I said, he resigned his commission. 
And I had to, when I first saw this, I was wondering, okay, let me make sure that this is real. Let me sure this is a real person and not some kind of like, you know, scam video or something like that, but it's all real. It all checks out. This is a real Marine. Um, he has, you know, gone, taking this time to, uh, to go onto this platform and say that he disagrees with a lot of this stuff and risk his rank. And we're going to talk about the fallout from that and what's happening next and how this is kind of turning into a, I don't know. I don't know what, but a very serious situation. So let's, let's continue to hear what he has to say. More details because the families are still being notified. Not making this video because um, it's you know, potentially an emotional time. Making it because I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level. And I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders. And I'll say as a person that's not at 20 years, um, I feel like I have a lot to lose. If you play chess, you can only see two to three moves out because there's too many variables. I thought through if, if I post this video, what might happen to me. I like how he actually like flagged, like waved his rank a little bit. Especially if the video picks up traction, if I have the courage to post it. But I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. So if I'm willing to risk my current battalion commander's seat, my retirement, my family's stability to say some of the things that I want to say, I think it gives me some moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, accountability from my senior leaders. And so I want to start with, we'll just use the Marine Corps, my, we'll just stick with the Marine Corps. So in the current fallout of Afghanistan, a lot of Marines were posting on social media and in response to that, the Commandant published a letter, which is the service chief of the Marine Corps. And I want to read from it. It was dated 18 August, so only a week ago. The Commandant, sir, you wrote, some of you may be struggling with a simple question. Was it all worth it? We want you to know that your service is meaningful, powerful, and important. You fought for the Marine to your left and the Marine to your right. You never let them down. And then you go on to say that, you know, if we're, we're struggling, we should, we should seek counseling, which, you know, I get it. People have killed people. Um, I've killed people and I, and I seek counseling um, and that's fine. There's a time and place for that. But the reason people are so upset on social media right now is not because the Marine on the battlefield let someone down. That service member has always rose to the occasion and done extraordinary things. People are upset because their senior leaders let them down and none of them are raising their hands and accepting accountability or saying, we messed this up. If an 05 battalion... So this is uh, something that I talk about a lot on this program, which is what I see to be maybe the largest problem that the military has over the last couple of years, which is a absolute lack of accountability at high-ranking levels. And the, and the politicians have this too. A, an absolute refusal to accept any responsibility for the outcomes of their actions and choices. And as Jocko would say, as I love referencing Jocko. I think his points on these things are really relevant. I see YouTube even decided to recommend one of his videos underneath this video is that, uh, it's always on leadership. It's always leadership's fault, but leadership in these instances seems to take no accountability for anything. Uh, they don't want to take any fault because, and, and, and this is where I say it's partly our fault as average citizens too, because if a leader, ex, you know, has any mistake, any flaw, we demand that they're canceled, fired, put in jail, uh, which then causes them to lie and throw other people under the bus. 
You guys saw me show that whole letter last week about the CNO's uh, words on the entire war in Afghanistan versus the way that the army threw Jonathan Pentland under the bus um, to try to save their own PR. So, you know, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller here is talking about leadership, not wearing the hat, so to speak, not wearing the leadership hat and accepting any responsibility for what's happening out there. Let's see what he has to say to finish this up. Has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a Secretary of Defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the Commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying... Did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? And when you didn't think to do that, did anyone raise their hand and say, we completely messed this up? I've got battalion commander friends right now that are posting similar things, and they're saying, you know, wondering if it, all the lives were lost and if it was in vain, all those, all those people that we've lost over the last you know, 20 years. And he goes on to say that we're all part of a chain. While every link may not be tested, the strength of the chain is only as strong as each link, and you got to be, you know, good link, something like that. And what I'll say is, and from my position, potentially all those people did die in vain if we don't have senior leaders that own up and, and raise their hand and say, we did not do this well in the end. Without that, we just keep repeating the same mistakes, this amalgamation of the economic slash corporate slash political slash higher military ranks are not holding up their end of the bargain. I want to say this very strongly. I have been fighting for 17 years. I am willing to throw it all away to say to my senior leaders, I demand accountability. All right. So he says he's willing to throw it all away to demand accountability. And sounds like he has. Let me address one problem that I have with this video really quick. And then we'll get back to the story, which is he's a lieutenant colonel. This is just like, and I saw Nikki MGTV's video where he brought this up too. This is like the captain of the aircraft carrier who wrote the letter saying that the Navy was letting de- not taking care of the troops. Um, when you're in the military and you choose to speak out against leadership and you're a senior leader, you can't dissent and lead Marines. You can't dissent and lead sailors because that's called a coup. You can't, you can't take a stand against your chain of command when you're in charge and have people follow you, right? Do you guys understand that that just can't exist as far as the military machine goes? As far as the military machine is concerned, those things cannot exist. You can't go against orders while leading hundreds of people. What are, what, what are his subordinate troops supposed to do? What are his, you know, lance corporals and sergeants supposed to do if your commanding officer is speaking out against Marine Corps leadership? This is a difficult position that he's put himself in and put his Marines in. Because what if they love him? What if his Marines love him? And he's like the best CEO that they've ever had. The best battalion commander they've ever had. Now they're in a difficult position. How do they fulfill their 
oath to the Marine Corps. Because now if they get another leader who backs the chain of command, they're going to be like, ah, now our new leader is kind of full of crap too. So I don't necessarily agree that this is the most effective way for a lieutenant colonel to go about business because it undermines the chain of command. And you got to think about the hundreds of people who are under his charge, um, who now have to make a choice as to who do they, who are they loyal to? Who do they follow? So, um, then on the other hand, having somebody disruptive in the chain of command could be good for the Marine Corps. Somebody who's willing to call out the BS. Like, who knows what he did behind the scenes? Maybe he tried to handle this behind the scenes. Maybe he tried to talk about it with the chain of command. My, I was talking about this with my wife, and she brought up a great point, which is, how's the Marine Corps ever going to change if every time somebody speaks out against uh, a bad decision, they kick that person out? When they originally relieved him of his, of his command, which he said, which he goes on to say, is exactly what they should do. That's exactly what he would do if he was the Marine Corps. Here, let me catch up on some comments really quick. Beaufort says, I like this, Lieutenant Colonel. When is enough enough? We did not bomb the, uh, the bases and gear for political reasons. It would have sent a mixed message to bomb our gear while saying that we had any confidence in the Afghan army. That's a good point. Analytical failure. Welcome to the chat. So you're saying that the withdrawal was less than perfect. Who thunk it? Thought I read he was relieved of command for loss. He was relieved of command for loss of confidence, but there's more to the story still. Lillian says the world is calling it Biden's bloodbath. Allies are saying he's incompetent. In July, he had bad intel telling him Kabul would be safe. Now he's droning random Muslims. What a mess. So I don't know what you mean by droning random Muslims. Just that choice of words implies that I'm not really sure if I think that you know, uh, you understand the situation. But uh, maybe you can give me some more information about who you are and why you think that, where you got that info from. Jocko wrote a speech as if you were president regarding the Afghan situation. It's great. Yeah, it was good. Only the man in charge can be blamed. The buck stops with the man at the top. Bagram is a blunder. When are we going to wake up and see Biden has uh, mental problems? You've got mental problems, man. Yeah, I think that that's, of course, obviously uh, true. Captain Crow, he definitely demonstrates some lack of um, of... I don't know what the word is. I don't know if I think I agree with what you said, but uh, definitely some mental fortitude lacking. He should have expressed him better since he put it all on the line, Semper Fi. He should have said more. That was a weak expression to put it all on the line. He didn't mention specific failures, just a general failure of leadership. Pedro says, being politically correct needs to stop for once because as Stewart said, no one takes accountability, skip the political BS and take out the rotten apples in the U.S. Army and politics. So, so let's talk about what ended up happening here because this is uh, talking about the question of if every time somebody steps out of line in the military, if you just remove them and kick them out because you only want people who fall in line, you only want yes men, is that really in the best interest of the Marine Corps? Well, uh, there is a there is a potentially next move here that he makes that kind of makes me lose a little bit of my respect for his position here, especially as a leader of Marines. And we're going to talk about that now. So Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller was dismissed Friday from command of the Advanced Infantry Battalion training in Camp Lejeune over the original video. Now in a new one, he claims he is not currently under investigation and that he would likely be allowed to ride out his remaining three years until retirement if he chose to stay silent. But he says, I don't think that's the path I'm on. Sitting in in an abandoned school bus in Eastern North Carolina I'm resigning my commission as a United States Marine effective now, and I am forfeiting my retirement, all entitlements. I don't want a single dollar. He suggests that senior military leaders would need that money for jobs and security after what he intends to do, though he does not provide further details. So let's jump over and watch his 
follow-up video. So this follow-up video is, I don't know. You guys tell me what you think. I think it's a little creepy. Hey, everybody. Lieutenant Colonel Stu Scheller coming at you from an abandoned school bus in eastern North Carolina. If you know me, you know. I've been overwhelmed by the outpouring of support over the last 72 hours since I made some statements in the public. I've also really appreciated the candor and the opposition, uh, the people who think I should have handled it differently. I think the debate is healthy, and I appreciate and respect all sides of the conversation. But after I've meditated on everything, my higher purpose, my path, the path of the Marine Corps United States, I've come to a place where I feel at peace with making some further statements, and that's the purpose of this video. Do you notice that in the last video he said you can't see far ahead in chess because you can only see two or three moves ahead and here he's sitting next to a chessboard of a game in progress? And I don't know enough about chess to make any inferences as to why the pieces are positioned in the way that they are, but he seems to be making a statement with that chessboard for sure. And he's got a little notepad and he's sitting there in that school bus saying uh, that he's done with the Marine Corps. He's almost like saying he's done with life. He's going out on the fringes here and that he's going to, he's prepared to take down the whole system. What do you guys think about that? Start, let me know in the comments. You know, I'm not a religious guy and I don't know if it's the outpouring of people and all the support that I've had, but part of me feels like everything in the last 25 years of my life may have happened to, to bring me to this point right now whether it's my entrepreneurial success, whether it's my combat experiences, whether it's the people that I've had in my life, they've all played a part in my, my successes and failures have brought me to this moment. Before I get to exactly what I want to say, I have two administrative notes. The first one is I just want to clarify my legal status. I have been relieved of my command, but I am still a United States Marine. Currently, I am not pending legal action. Uh, I think the plan was to hide me away for three years, let an investigation take place, but not send me to a board of inquiry where they would have separated me on other than honorable conditions. And so I had the choice where I could remain silent, keep my retirement for three years, and quite honestly, uh, live the dream for not many responsibilities in terms of leaning into the next thing, if that's what I so chose. The other thing is in terms of donations, lots of people have set up GoFundMe pages and, and want donations and, and contribute to the cause because they're all, you know, want to believe in something. I'll tell you right now, I haven't set up a single GoFundMe and I'm not asking for any money. Uh, there'll be a time for that. If you want to donate, please donate to the families of the, the law service members from the attacks over the last 72 hours. So here's the first thing that comes to mind here. You've got a video where he's making his statements about he's going to walk away from the Marine Corps. He's not going to accept this retirement. He's got 160,000 views on this video. Comments are turned off here. He's making a lot of noise right now. But here's, the, here's my question is, where can he affect more change? Can he affect more change as a lieutenant colonel, leader of Marines in the Marine Corps? Or can he affect more change with this you know, what could potentially be a flash in the pan moment where he makes a lot of noise right now and it's the last noise he can ever make. Is this, the, is this really the, the long game right here? Is, is, this the, is, this the, is this the long game in action? Because if not, 
he, he's going to be forgotten about in a week. You guys know how the, you guys know how the news is, how people are. They'll, we'll, we'll forget. We'll forget about, we, the people, will forget about Kabul in a month. We'll forget about the 13 Marine sailor and soldier killed in, you know, a year. We'll move, people are going to move on. You know, maybe not us who care more about the military. Maybe we'll remember people who knew those people won't forget. But the world is going to move on. The world's going to move on from the refugees in Afghanistan. So where can he make more change? As a colonel in the Marine Corps or as a, as a, a fringe, you know, person who walked away and revolted against the Marine Corps? Time will tell, I guess. But my guess is he could have made more change as a Marine. The only other pitch I'll give is after I post this video, uh, my wife, I love you. You're a great mother. You've been down for the cause for the last 17 years. I don't know what decisions you're going to make in the next 72 hours. Uh, if anyone does want to donate, I'd ask that you just donate directly to her. Her. Uh, we're not going to do GoFundMes. Just to clarify, there's no GoFundMes for me or my family. But my wife's PayPal is Jacqueline, spelled J-A-C-K-L-Y-N, Scheller, spelled as my last name, at gmail.com, or her Venmo, Jacqueline-Scheller. Okay. I have two social media platforms, LinkedIn and Facebook, and there is a little bit of a difference between the two of them. Right now, I, I'm overwhelmed with followers based on recent events, but general officers, colonels, seem to prefer LinkedIn over Facebook for whatever reason. And so if you were to look back at my LinkedIn, the core thousand that I had was all colonels and generals and feel great officers. And the conversation in those posts are a little bit different. And everybody's got an opinion, but there's, there's one specific comment that I want to address. Going back to my earlier comment about maybe everything happened for a reason, when I was a young captain, I worked for a man named Lieutenant Colonel Hobbs. And we went through some things together. And he, many people don't know, was actually relieved as an 06 for standing up for moral things that he thought was right. And he did it within the system, as a lot of people have implored me to do. And he was just shuffled out the door without really affecting any change. And then after he exited the Marine Corps, he's made a lot of controversy by talking about racial diversity and um, equal opportunity problems in the Marine Corps. And from that respect, I have uh, adamantly disagreed with him. But just because we have different opinions doesn't mean I don't respect him. Sir, I'll, I, I love you like a father. And you made a comment on one of the posts in LinkedIn without giving anyone context of who you were or what our relationship was. And you said, if Stuart Scheller was honorable, he would resign his commission. Of all the noise going out there, that one comment has just played through my head. If Stuart... Damn. If, and you know, to that comment about he should resign his commission, you know, there is something to be said of put your money where your mouth is. If you, uh, 
if you do remain in the Marine Corps. So because he made the first, it's because he made the first statement. Because he made the first statement, which he made, you know, for sure emotional. And I tell you guys all the time not to make emotional decisions. When you make emotional decisions as a leader, they tend to not be the best ones. Because you, he's making one loud emotional statement instead of a lifetime, a career of thoughtful, passionate, um, provocative, and kind of in line changes, policy changes, and corrections. He could have gotten out of the Marine Corps and spoken out then. He could have continued to, to teach junior officers how to navigate the system better. Um, mentor junior officers to not become necessarily just cogs in the, in the machine, but thinkers, thinkers, not just shooters, shooters are thinkers type thing. Um, and, and, uh, and make change that way, as opposed to now where even associating with him is probably going to be frowned upon or completely shut down for anybody who's active duty Marine Corps. So you can make one really loud emotional statement and be done or a lifetime of effective, thoughtful, slow roll changes and mentorship and leadership from within. And so his prior mentor leaves him a comment that says, hey, if you are honorable, you will resign your commission. That's heavy. That's pretty heavy, you know, saying that it's time for you to put your money where your mouth is and walk away. You can't stay in the Marine Corps after this and mean what you said. So he said he was willing to risk it all. And then he was asked to put his money where his mouth is, I guess. If other was honorable, he would resign his commission. You didn't say is as if in challenging me. You said was as if you assumed I wouldn't do it. I want to make the announcement today. After 17 years, I'm currently not pending legal action. And I could stay in the Marine Corps for another three years, but I don't think that's the path I'm on. I'm resigning my commission as a United States Marine, effective now. I'm sure there's some MAR admin on how I'm supposed to do that, and I'll work through that. But I am forfeiting my retirement on entitlements. I don't want a single dollar. I don't want any money from the VA. I don't want any VA benefits. I'm sure I'm entitled to 100%. I, you know, breathed on the smell and smoke of burning shit. For years, I don't want any of it. I can't believe it. I can't believe what he's saying. He doesn't want his VA benefits. He doesn't want his retirement. He doesn't want his pension. He doesn't want health care. I can't believe it. Do you guys, maybe you don't realize what he's talking about walking away from. When he says 100% disability entitled from all his injuries, body damage, PTSD, exposure, burn pits, all that stuff. You're talking about, for a lieutenant colonel, if he had retired, you're talking about six or $7,000 a month in pay, followed by uh, probably another $1,000 a month in benefits, including health care, uh, life insurance, base access, commissary and exchange privileges and all that stuff. He's walking away from probably a lifetime of 2 to $3 million dollars in compensation for his military service and just saying he's given all that up to start over basically post military. I don't know what his plan is. I don't know if he has a plan. He said he had some kind of entrepreneurial success at some point. I don't know what that's in regards to, 
maybe he made a product or something or started a business and he's had some success there. Maybe his wife is very successful, but, uh, that is, I can't believe what he's saying. That's extreme. That's quite extreme. You know, I asked, all I asked for was accountability of my senior leaders when there are clear, obvious mistakes that were made. I'm not saying we can take back what has been done. All I asked for was accountability for people to comment on what I said and to say, yes, mistakes were made. And had they done that, I would have gone back into rank and file, submitted and accomplished what I wanted. The morning after I posted my video and I came into work, my boss came in and he asked me, what were you trying to accomplish? And that was a very tough question for me. And my response was, I want senior leaders to accept accountability. I think them accepting accountability would do more for service members and PTSD and struggling with purpose than any other transparent piece of paper or message. Now he hasn't, the video is not over yet. There's three minutes left. But my question to Stuart Scheller is, what does that look like? What does accepting accountability look like? What did he want? Because I've seen leaders acknowledge mistakes. I've seen leaders acknowledge fault. The president said that the buck stops with him and then he goes on to make excuses. But like, what does that actually mean? What does accepting accountability actually mean? Does it have to be a public statement? Have they done that behind closed doors? Have other people gotten fired or stepped down? I do wonder like, what would a victory for him have looked like? Maybe he'll go on to address it. And I haven't received that. For the over $2 million that I would potentially receive in retirement for the rest of my life, for the however much extra the disability would be, I think that money should go back to all the senior general officers because I think they need it more than I do. Because when I am done with what I'm about to do, you all are going to need the jobs and the security. Straight up threat. A straight up, maybe I should be subscribed to him with, uh, I can't enable notifications. Maybe I should be subscribed and see what's coming next. I'm going to subscribe just so that way we don't miss any videos when he posts them because whatever he's saying is coming. What's coming next? What's coming next? What could that possibly mean? I want to be clear that I love the Marine Corps. I think, you know, there's been a fascination with special forces over the last 15 years. Special forces people that come in in the middle of the night and they kill the biggest targets that the United States has. And I have much respect. I, I worked in MARSOC for a year. But what I'll say is the conventional Marine on the ground, who has to smell burning shit, who, when I was in Ramadi, I was exposed to it so much that burning shit actually smelt like bacon and eggs, and I grew to enjoy the smell. Those people who are there every day and don't get to leave the next morning or in the middle of the night, who go outside the wire, get blown up, bring their Marine back, and then go back out there the next day, they don't get the credit they deserve and they deserve accountability. I agree with him about that, that the, that, you know, special forces are sexy. Special forces get a lot of the credit. They get a lot of the movies, but there are just from people that I know, there are a lot of Marine infantry, army infantry who have done so much more combat, been in so much more combat, sustained combat and done so many more missions than a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret. 
especially depending on when you joined, like a, an infantry Marine who joined in 2003 or four and served, you know, four to eight years has probably seen a lot more combat than a Navy SEAL, a Raider, a Green Beret who joined in 2017, 16. I'll tell you that. It is, uh, it is the un, unsung hero, the grunt, who has endured unthinkable hardship in the war on terror. Day in and day out, 10, 12 deployments, a year, 18 months long, uh, that we never, t- that we don't, we don't talk about enough. We do not talk about enough at all. A lot of the Medal of Honor winners out there are infantrymen, not SEALs. There are a lot of SEAL Green Beret Medal of Honor winners, but, you know, Combat Controller Medal of Honor winners, but there's just as many infantrymen. There's just as many grunts out there. While I was watching a video by Kyle Carpenter earlier um, about Afghanistan, just as many grunts out there walking around with the Congressional Medal of Honor as there are special forces, and we can't forget those guys. And girls. Stuart Scheller was honorable. He would resign. You have no idea what I'm capable of doing. What does that mean? To all the congressmen, senators, every media station across the globe, to all the rich philanthropists, I appreciate the support and I'm going to need your support to the bellwether Alliance. I'm a coin carrying member. We have all these laws on how to create wealth. The one thing they don't tell you is that going after stability and money can make you a slave to the system and it can make you compromise what you truly believe in. I don't need a single dollar. I just need every single person that's willing to go back outside the wire every single day to wear a blue collar and just go into work every single day and feed their families. Those are the people that I need. Follow me and we will bring the whole fucking system down. I am honorable. And you can ask any Marine who served with me for 17 years. I dare you to ask them all and find out what I'm made of. We're just getting started. Okay. So that sounds downright scary. I mean, what's he, what's he mean? He mentioned there the bellwether. Okay, thank you so much. He mentioned Doug. there the bellwether Alliance. So let me tell you guys, I just looked up the bellwether Alliance here. It says the bellwether Alliance is comprised of philanthropists, top industry leaders, investors, influencers, and celebrities who are truly wanting to make a positive impact on humanity, regardless of race, gender, religion, national origin, or physical condition. So is he talking about starting a militia, like somebody said in the comments? It sounds like he's trying to form a group to take a stand against the system. And is the system the Marine Corps, or is the system the United States government? What is he talking about? This is a... One of the strongest worded dissents against the military that I've ever heard from a lieutenant colonel who's now, there's no coming back from that. Somebody in the comments said he's still eligible if he wants him. Well, he's definitely probably lost his eligibility for retirement because he's not at 20 years. He's probably going to not make it to that point at this, at this point. And as far as the VA goes, he might 
retain eligibility for VA benefits, but with his honor at stake, with his word at stake. So he's kind of forfeited those because if he ever wants to be taken seriously again, he can't, um, he can't, you know, follow through with that. So let's see what's going on in the comments. He probably has a lot in his conscience and it doesn't matter what he says. He's entitled to those benefits. Oh yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. Uh, if he wants to go back on his word, it's wishful thinking to try and change or help new Marines to change what is in place. Maybe he gets in with a multi-level marketing. Yeah. Maybe struggling with purpose. Nothing will change. Nothing today, tomorrow, unfortunately. Yeah. Things change quick in this world. You're going to have to download stuff in case he deletes stuff. Yeah, probably. I really hope the guy doesn't go off and start a militia. It almost sounds like it. Accountability is like Biden resigning. That's, you know, I don't believe in the president resigning for mistakes like that necessarily because uh, it's easy to say when, you know, when your person's not in charge, but when your person's in charge, you probably don't want them resigning over every mistake. Mistakes get made. I don't want every leader resigning over every mistake in general. I've never supported that in the military. Great leaders make bad choices. Great leaders make tactical errors. Doesn't mean that they should always have to resign. Um, I wonder what Snake Blitzkin would say, would say to him. That's, that'd be a, his ally right there. They will risk put you in jail, dude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not burn down the greatest nation on earth just because of a bad president. I'll be out in four years. The Q army or something like that. I don't know if this is Q type stuff. I don't know if this guy supports Republicans, Democrats, he obviously doesn't support Joe Biden. That sounds like it's definitely true. He obviously doesn't support General Milley, it sounds like. Uh, there's a lot of leadership that he does not like, for sure, it sounds like. But um, what does he support? I don't know. It doesn't say. He never said. So I'm not going to try to put you know my best guess out there, my theory or whatever that is. I'd just be making it up. But he's definitely laying it out there, threatening the military right now. So that's so crazy. We should send him to Pakistan to destroy their economy and make the country an unending civil war. We're America. We can send weapons to these militias to fight each other forever. <clears throat> Interesting, Charles. I think what people are mad at Biden is for also how he responded. I think there's a lot to be mad at Biden about. I, I was mad. I'm mad about the, the lies that were told that were acknowledged after the fact. Uh, there's a lot to be mad about. There's a lot to be mad about, but I said I don't blame Biden for what happened in Afghanistan. I blame the Taliban. I blame ISIS. I blame a lot of people. But start with the terrorists. The first person to blame are the terror groups, not the president of the United States. So you can go back and look at the 50-year history of, of, of uh, civil unrest in Afghanistan. So seems a bit weird. First video seemed thoughtful and well-intentioned, but he has transitioned to loose and unhinged. Obviously, he's under a lot of stress, unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, guys, we hit 6K subscribers. Chris uh, said 6K soon. I was showing 6K this morning. Sometimes that does fluctuate throughout the day. I want to thank you guys for 6K subscribers on our way to 10. One of the best ways to keep growing the channel is for you guys to share the videos, invite people to come watch the streams, uh, and keep supporting, keep being in the chat. We're streaming to, you know, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people a day now on the live stream. So that's really incredible. I'm really excited about that. That's awesome. And I thank you guys so much for that. Um, all the new people who are watching the channel, all the new members here, all that stuff. It's great to have you. I hope you stick around as always links in the description down below for merch, Scuttlebutt show merch, as well as, uh, ways you can support the channel, like becoming a member or becoming a patron. If you join Patreon for $10 a month, I'll send you a free t-shirt on your second month. So free t-shirts on your second month of membership at Patreon at the elite tier membership. Check the, uh, benefits over there. I'm trying to work on ways to get better for the patrons and members. Uh, and offer more stuff for you guys. What about all the equipment that was left? No plan to bring back the gear. Yeah, definitely not. Um, 
Charles will become president and continue Poppy Roosevelt's plan. All right, Charles. Uh, by the way, I heard uh, we got an update from boot camp that Rambo's in finishing week three of boot camp right now. Official week three. So there's the, the prep days in boot camp too. And he's doing well. He's got all our letters and all that stuff. So maybe we'll send him another letter uh, in a couple of weeks or something like that. But he'll be back soon. Zach Attack says, what advice would you give to a service member who is losing faith? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Zach. What advice? I lost faith. I lost faith when uh, I lost faith when the Navy started kicking people out for downsizing. Um, and it's tough. Uh, it's tough. I feel you. I'll, I'll say that. Let me start by saying, I, if you're losing faith for the military, I do feel you on that. Um, it happens. We go through these crises of purpose and mission and faith and leadership, but the only thing I'll tell you is it, it's going to change. It's, it, it ebbs and flows, you know, it's like a sine wave of, uh, of good and bad. I don't know how long you've been in, but for me, it was a lot of ups and downs in almost 14 years. And ultimately, the military is one job that you have in your life. It is one career, and there is a life after. And you have to consider being happy in your life after the military. So you need to think, what are you doing? Is the military making you happy? Are, is the military making you capable of being happy after the military? Okay? You have, a, you have a long life to live after the military, hopefully. Hopefully everyone does. And you have to ask yourself, are you setting yourself up for a happy life after the military? Because the truth is, that day is going to come. If you survive the military, if you get out, one, if, you, if you survive the military, one day you are going to get out, whether you do four years or 40 and then you have to be happy afterwards. So is what you're doing now setting you up to be happy in life? Is it taking care of your family? Is it the right thing for you? Um, and if not, then maybe it's time to make a change. And otherwise, uh, just go with, go with it through the hard times because, you know, the hard times pass and the good times come back. And it's just like anything else, it goes up and down. So that's my advice to you is always be thinking about your life after the military. That's one thing I would tell anybody as someone who was all die hard in the military. It's all I cared about when I was in. Um, I cared about nothing except for the military when I was in it. Uh, I had, I had no interest in my life after the military or outside of the military. It was all about just being in the Navy. Um, I realized that for myself and what I see for a lot of other people is you have to find a way to work on being happy afterwards. And so is what you're doing now setting you up for being happy afterwards? Ask yourself. And if not, if it's getting, if it's setting you up to be worse, then consider uh, making a change. Almost eight years. Good job. Happy to know you're keeping us safe, Zach. Yep. I agree until a certain degree, Biden, Army generals and other advisors on the team are not kids anymore. They know perfectly fine what would happen. Justin says, Silkies or UDTs? Well, I've always been a Silkies fan myself. So, all right, guys, we went way over time today. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Uh, I'm going to save, I had one last story that was kind of a feel good story, but what I'll do is I'll just save it for tomorrow. Um, I don't feel too bad ending on that Marine Corps story. That was a, that was thoughtful. That was something that everyone can think about here. So thanks everybody. I'll be back in a little bit with some games. We're going to keep uh, slaying some Xenos on aliens and try to finish that campaign. So stick around for that. Make sure you have notifications on so you don't miss the stream. Um, 
Pedro says, it's not only the Taliban in Afghanistan, but it's a mess at the Mexican border. States are not aligned with the COVID policy, but it's only in the USA. It's also in Europe. Leaders should say sorry and fix it. Leaders should just always be taking accountability for, I just wish there was more. There are tons of problems, right? But the biggest problem is, of all is that people lie about the problems, okay? The people in charge lie about the problems and don't accept any responsibility for them. That's the biggest problem that I see of all. So I'll leave you guys with that, something to think about. One day you might be in charge and my advice to you would be to have personal accountability and be honest about what the real reality of the situation is, okay? So, because everyone else around you knows it. Everyone around can see what's obviously happening, but then leaders choose to lie about it and it's kind of insane. I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you guys for being the best audience on YouTube. The channel's continuing to grow. Just hit 6K on our way to 10K this year. Share the videos, invite people to come watch the stream, all that. We'll be back with aliens after this. With all that being said, thank you guys for joining me today. Hope you're having a great end of your weekend back there in the United States. Tomorrow is Tuesday my time, Monday yours. So I hope you guys get your weeks off to a great start. And until next time, that's the scuttlebutt.